too am a prophet, so as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. Please be seated. Well, good morning to you. There you are. It's good to see you guys here this morning. If you're visiting with us, let me say how thankful we are to have you. And hopefully you have gotten one of those visitor packets. Inside that particular packet is an attendance card. Hopefully you filled that out because now is the time to do something with those attendance cards. If you'll pass those toward the aisles, I have some gentlemen somewhere located somewhere in here, who will get those for us, uh, that we can have a record of your attendance. We're so grateful that you find yourself here with us today. Today we're going to look at four lies that I tell myself and that I believe most of the time. It's, it's my conviction that our brethren found within the New Testament had the fire beat out of them. You read through the, the book of Acts and you see persecution after persecution after persecution and death after death after death of those men and women who would call themselves of the way and it seems to strengthen the group. Every time it seems to strengthen the group. And I don't understand that yet. I don't understand why so much is coming on this group known as the way. And, and they seem to be pulling together more and more tightly. But in the book of Romans, because Satan is good at his job, he changes his tactics a little bit. Instead of it going from uh, persecutions and tribulations, those kinds of things, from the outside, he begins to say, maybe I'm looking at this wrong and I should be attacking from the inside. From about Romans through the book of Revelation, what you're going to read about is problems. Problems that the church has. I got a problem with this brother, so I'm not coming anymore. I got a problem with that sister, so we don't talk. Heard of 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians? I've got a problem with you because you're not circumcised underneath the Old Testament ways, and so I got a problem with that. Galatians? And so the, the attacks started to come from the inside rather than uh, the outside. And because of that, everything changed. Because of that, what Satan was trying to do started to work. How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you know someone who have put on Christ in baptism only to never be faithful or even ever show up? Yeah. Why? Because we believe four lies. 
And these lies can affect the way I attend. They can affect the way I serve. They can affect the way I live. It doesn't really matter what you put on the end of it. These are four lies that I believe that affect everything I do for God himself. Are you ready for lie number one? Here it is. You don't have to choose. You don't have to choose. Here's how it it sort of comes about. You can have it all. You can have Bible studies on Sunday morning. You can have retreats. You can have events like polishing the pulpit. You can have your gospel meetings, and you can still have your weekends and your materialism and your worldliness. Because, see, this is different than there. Let me quote you the great Michael Cox from two Sundays ago, and I have this written. Look just so you won't think I'm wrong. I have this written right here. What we do in here is worship. What we do out there is the church. What we have decided is, this is church, and that don't count. That's a shame. It's a lie that we tell ourselves. Well, we don't have to do it. We're here Sunday. We're here Wednesday. We're... Let me say this in all the Alabama love that I have within my body. But I'm going to talk to you like you're from Alabama. Are you ready? If you think that heating a pew will get you to heaven, you are mistaken. Won't do it. You've got to choose. You've got to figure out that you're going to have to be different. This is not an out there problem. This is not because they're lost problem. This is an in here problem. This is, I'm sitting in these pews. This is our problem. This is what we, what we face and what we struggle with. And I'll be real honest with you. Devotional times together throughout the week. Uh, special events throughout the year. I don't think bothers Satan at all. I don't think he's intimidated by things like polishing the pulpit from which we just came back. I don't think he's scared of of, uh, uh, summer camps. I don't think he's afraid of any of that. Because what he knows is that's just a period of time and those things will pass. I think he begins to shake a little bit when out there begins to reflect in here. You're going to have to choose. You must choose. It is a necessity that you choose, and you can't get around choosing unless you decide not to choose, and that's still a choice. You're going to have to choose. I'm going to serve God. Well, then do it. I'm not going to serve God. Well, then I wish you wouldn't make that choice. There would be several men and women in Jesus' life who Jesus would speak to and said, you're going to have to change this or that, and they would walk away from him sorrowfully. Remember that ruler that we called that rich, young ruler? He said, I've got all of these things going the right way. He said, well, you're lacking one thing. 
You're lacking one thing, and that is understanding who God is, because right now you think the God that you have kind of folds up and sticks in your pocket. Sell everything you have. Follow me. Well, I can't do that. Could you do it if I told you it would cost you heaven? Because it will. You're going to have to choose. Lie number one, I don't have to choose. I can have it all. Ah, we forgot this one. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. One of the greatest lines from any prophet ever mentioned to a group of people who need to choose. As Elijah is right before uh, the battle between the 400 prophets of Baal, he looks at the, the king of Israel as the head of Israel and says this, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? You want to change that into 2022 language? Son, you're going to have to choose. How long do you stand between two opinions? You're going to have to choose one way or another, and it is the fact that the Christian who won't choose, the Christian who chooses to be mediocre during the week and come in and to sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, is the one who's killing the cause. Well, which way are we going, Hayes? How about this? Lie number two. You don't have to change. Mm-mm-mm. You do. You do have to change. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 5, we're introduced to a guy that, I don't know if his friends call him this, but I guess we do because of the way we reference him. His name is Legion. And realistically, when Jesus asks him his name, the demon that speaks says, we are, uh, my name is Legion for we are many. But I don't ever know his name, so I guess I just call him Legion. Interestingly, when that demon meets Jesus the Christ and is thrown out, the guy in, in whom Legion was has a great desire to go with Jesus. He wants to get on the boat. He wants to go back over to Jerusalem. He wants to be a part of everything Jesus is doing. And Jesus says, no, I need you to go and I need you to tell them how the things that I have done have shown compassion and have changed you. Now, do you get that? Do you understand what he's saying? I need you to teach them how I have changed you. It's the exact same thing you read in Acts chapter 9 with Saul of Tarsus. He's baptized and immediately he begins to preach about the gospel. Do any of your friends know? Aside from kind of where the church building is, what you believe, you're going to have to change. Well, I, I think I'm going to stay the same way I am. Well, all right. But I'm going to let you know, Jesus would say, you can't be like you have been. You're going to have to be something different. You ever heard the phrase born again? You know what that means? That means to be born again. That is to start a new life. How about the book of Romans, a newness of life? 
Those are not just flowery phrases that the King James Version would use in order to uh, help us understand the poetics of being a child of God. That means something. That means I'm going to have to change. Those phrases mean something. God uses those over and over and over to impress upon us the fact that we were one way, but you're going to have to be something completely different. Christianity, especially in the Southeast, is a funny thing. How many of you like fried chicken? All right, for you who don't, you've got some big problems. You, maybe you've not had it the right way, but it's, it's really good. You ought to try it. But we generally associate church and fried chicken. Think about it. We go to church on Sunday because we live in the South, and that's what we do. But why did you go? Because it's Sunday. Yeah, but, but what did you learn? Well, uh, all right, all right. Well, then what did you have to eat? We had some fried chicken afterward. Christianity in the South is cultural. Because we, as a general society in the Southeast, refuse to change. God's going to say this, you're going to have to change. Something's got to give. You can't be the old guy and expect me to embrace you as the new guy. You're going to have to change. Sometimes change hurts. And sometimes change is scary. But I can tell you this, change doesn't hurt nearly as bad as hell, does it? Lie number two. You don't have to change. What about line number three? There's always a closet. You know. You, you know the closet. How many of you, and I can see you back there in the, in this, in the window. How many of you, when your parents tell you, clean up your room, take all of your stuff and jam it into that closet and close that door and hope they don't touch the doorknob or else everything else is going to explode out of there. But when they walk in there, it's, it's immaculate. Everything is beautiful. Even Sometimes we as parents think we're smart and we'll bend down and look underneath the bed like that's something, but we've taken all of those things and we shoved them all in the closet, Right? Christianity, we think that there is a closet. There's a world that's unknown. That I can come here and be this guy, and then there's something else that I can, that I can just put over here by myself that you don't need to know about. It's always a closet. Look in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, we run into them. And if we did not have the divine record, I want you to, if you can, with Ananias and Sapphira, I want you to put that, that that you know about them out of your mind for a moment. Forget everything you know about them. 
Let's say you are a, a, a member of the church there in Jerusalem. And Ananias and Sapphira, you don't know anything about uh, the, the gift that Barnabas has given. And then Ananias and Sapphira come in, they give this gift. And it is now the talk of the congregation. Did you see that? Can you imagine that? What if we had that much we could give? What if we could give like that to the Lord? I know looking at mine, I could not, but maybe the best I could do for Ananias and Sapphira would be go up and, and hug them around their neck and tell them how much I appreciate that and how much the, the congregation could use that and how effective that's going to be, and I would try to uplift them. Not knowing the whole time that they had a closet. How impressive would they be if I didn't look inside their closet? How many of us have closets? Something that we refuse to change. Something that we say, surely that won't. To which Jesus would answer, surely it will. Surely that won't cost me everything. Surely God will overlook that. Surely he won't. I want you to think about this idea of closets very closely when you think of this. I want you to, to think of that closet that you have and that sin that you hide, that you hide in there that no one needs to see. And in your mind, close your eyes and see yourself standing face to face with God and try to explain to Him why that's okay. Can you do it? You better clean out your closet. You're going to have to choose. You're going to have to change. Notice this one. Lie number four. The clock will never run out. Mm. This is especially uh, detrimental to our younger ones whose knees and arms and elbows and hips don't hurt just yet. There will be a day when you wake up and go, ah. All I did was sleep. Why am I hurting so badly? Time will always be like it is. Incorrect. You want a case study of that? Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. I don't want you to talk to the 8 who were in the boat. Talk to the multiplied millions who were outside. Oh, friend, Fred Sanford. Y'all know Fred Sanford? Sanford and son? Anybody speak English? Y'all know Fred Sanford? You know, he used to say, don't put off till tomorrow what you can put off till day after tomorrow. That's not the idea. That's completely backwards. That's completely the idea that we use most of the time when we should be saying, what else can I do today to ensure that what I'm doing is pleasing 
to God. Look at Luke 16. Here you see him sitting down to a meal every day where he fared sumptuously. Now, I don't know if you use the term fared sumptuously very often, but let me try to explain it a little better to you. Thanksgiving. You got the mindset? This is how the rich guy ate every day. He fared sumptuously every day. And as he's looking, even at Lazarus laying outside his gate, he says, there's no need to change. Everything's going to be just like it ought to be. What a foolish statement. What a foolish idea from a guy who seemed to be older and wiser. What he has forgotten is this physical life ain't forever. It's not going to last. Your body's going to begin the process of breaking down. Luke 16 says, and, and then he died. Hmm. Maybe he thought, maybe he thought is, is I'll die, but maybe, maybe not today. Or, or maybe he even foolishly thought I'll never die. Well, what a foolish idea. I'm going to live forever. No, you're not. Do you know why I keep my hair cut short? Aside from it's real easy to take care of. You know why? Because right here it's gray. I know that's vain. But if I don't see it, maybe what I clock in my head is I'm not getting older. Time will run out. My grandmother Hayes lived to be about 92 or 3. And to quote the Bible, and then she died. Time will run out. You compare Luke 16 with Luke 15, and you see a young boy who's in a hog pen, who is knee-deep in a hog pen, somewhere he ought not be, and he understands now the value of time. Verse 17 would say, And when he came to himself. You know what he realizes? Time's going to run out. I'm going to find myself in this hog pen if I don't do something about it. Lie number four. The clock will never, never change. Days are constant, right? What day has always followed Sunday since you've been alive? Monday. What month has always followed August since you've been alive? Mm-hmm. What, uh, what year followed 2021? 22, this year that we're in. It's, it always follows that same pattern, doesn't it? Mm. Matthew 25, 1 through 10. Gather the, uh, gather the virgins because the bridegroom is coming. Ten of them show up. In a very odd uh, ritual that, that you and I don't think much about, but then again, they didn't throw rice at each other, so it's, it's a give and take. 
These virgins were supposed to meet up with the bridegroom and be the light, for lack of a better idea, to the bride's house in which the bridegroom would take that bride from her father's house, then to their house, and that's the marriage ceremony. Odd, isn't it? Well, we're not giving any, any uh, divine edicts of how our marriage ceremonies are supposed to go. That one just seems odd to us. And as they're waiting, that bridegroom takes a little longer than expected. Just a little bit longer than it should have. And five of them, mark that, ten of them ran out of oil. But five of them had extra. And they replaced that oil. The other five said, man, we didn't know it was going to be this long. Had we known, we, we may have brought some extra. Can, can we borrow some of yours? And those five wise that we call them would say, if I give you some of mine, then I won't have enough. Those other five without are called the five foolish virgins. The, the criteria seems to be exactly the same for them. They, they make it all over there. They, they are approved by the bridegroom, seemingly. What's the difference between those who were wise and those who were foolish? The five who were right, wise... were ready to stay there and do their job as long as it took. They had extra. They weren't worried about a clock. They weren't worried about uh, if time is going to last as it, as it always has. They have the extra oil. Now for you who may be older than the young professionals class, you may not know about the five P's, but you're going to get them twice today. So write this down, because it's going to help you in your physical life and your spiritual life. I don't see too many people grabbing pens. I'll wait on you. These five P's will help you in your life. The, young, the younger ones have heard it so many times that all I have to say is five P's and they get it. Are you ready? Prior, prior, preparation. Prevents poor performances. Prior preparation prevents poor performances. Now, you ready to go to heaven? Or you still believe those lies? See, this, these four lies is an us issue. Let me ask you a great question. When's the best time to plant a shade tree in your yard? The best time's 30 years ago. You know what the second best time is? Right now. I can't do anything about 30 years ago. I can't do anything about three months ago. I can't do anything about believing those lies for X amount of years, but I can do something about it today. While you're sitting there in those pews and while you and I are studying through God's Word, I need you to know this, the clock will run out. 
And there are no closets because he knows everything. And to be his child, you're going to have to change. And it's time now to choose what you're going to do. It's time now to affect your eternal home. Don't worry about 30 years ago. Plant the shade tree now. Be adopted into the family of God by hearing what he has to say, by believing those things, by repenting of your sin and confessing that Jesus is the Christ. Put on Christ in baptism, having your sins washed away. Stand up out of that pool, walking away in a newness of life. Be his child today. Or, brother, sister, come back home. What are you waiting for? You've seen sinful lifestyle before being saved. You've seen what it's like to be saved. Now you've seen what it's like to go back. Choose. And choose now while we stand and sing. I have decided.